Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library Show. And today we're talking about data analytics because there are a lot of companies that are just probably drowning in data and they need help trying to figure out how do they make sense of it? How do you even get value out of it? So I have two great guests that are going to be on the show with me today, and we're going to talk about data analytics. Welcome to another episode of the Finance and the Accounting Show. This is the place to go for small business owners. If you're looking for a great way to understand the finance and the accounting side of your business, you're in the right place. So stay tuned and enjoy the episode. So as I said, the topic is going to be data analytics. So let me bring my amazing guest in. So welcome to the show, Michelle and Preston. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you for having us on your show today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we jump into the details of data analytics, can you both give people the, a little bit of context about, you know, your background and how you even found your way into data analytics? Sure. Would you like to start? I could start. Uh, let's see. I, I actually, it's not even part of my background. Um, originally, um, I started off my career in sales. Um, went to get my MBA at Notre Dame, so that certainly helped um, as I was a political science major. Um, and then from there, it just became more and clear that data was was really important in my jobs when I went into marketing, product marketing, when I went to change management efforts, when I went into sales operations, um, CSG or customer success, and then landing and renewals, um, where data is ever is, is so important to a company's understanding of how their attrition uh, is for their company and retaining customers long-term. So that's where data became really important for me to see and understand what's been happening in the past, present, and hopefully the future. Awesome, and how about for you, Preston? Yeah, so I started my career actually in a, in a quite a different way than Michelle did um, and kind of led to a similar endpoint, but I started my career as an engineer actually and we were using data to make a lot of engineering decisions. And upon um, changing careers into IT consulting, I, I found very quickly that the same skills I was using as an engineer to understand what we were going to do with products was actually very applicable to everything we were doing for business process. And so after spending uh, about 13 years as a consultant, I joined Salesforce and started applying data to just about everything I was doing here at Salesforce. And um, here I am today, I'm uh, leading strategy and programs for our global renewals organization, uh, supporting uh, Michelle and all of all of our efforts around transforming our business. Awesome, I, you know, I, I love the, the, the fact that you guys came from different backgrounds. I mean, the mixture of like engineering and sales. So it'll be interesting to get your perspective on when you guys came into data analytics, you know, at that time, did you see that companies really had a, I guess you say, a true appreciation for the data analytics or at that time were they just still trying to figure out all of it? I would say that we everyone wasn't quite there yet. And even I wasn't quite there yet, to be honest with you. Um, and the past six years, it's just been, you know, how you tell that story. Do you actually understand the story underneath the analytics. Can you tell it? Do you know it well? Um, and once you know it well and you can connect the dots for other leaders, that's when it became much more important um, for them to help um, really take the insights that you were given and, or giving and action those insights. Action, action. 
How about for you, Preston? Yeah, I think um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what Michelle's saying, and what I'm gonna I'm gonna just build on that a little bit is that you know you can um, you can look at data in a lot of different ways, but if you don't have a leadership team and you don't have leaders who understand the value of analytics, then all of the other activity that you're going to take on related to using data, um, it's not going to go anywhere. So when you have a leader like Michelle, who's who's interested in using all of the all of the capabilities available to her to actually make business decisions, that becomes a, like almost a foundational component of analytics because now all the other investments you make and all the other analytical roles and capabilities. Now you know that you have a leader who is interested in those insights, who's going to then take those and turn them into action. But without lead, without leadership from the top saying that this stuff's important, um, a, a lot of the other stuff would kind of be futile. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that's a very interesting point that you guys bring up. I mean, with just the impact that leadership has on how the rest of the organization starts to see and value data. Now, you know, I guess from your experiences, have you seen, you know, because some companies have this challenge where leaders are like, well, if I'm too deep into the details, I can't lead from, you know, the perspective that they need to. So it's like, have you seen any ways where companies have effectively been able to champion, you know, data analytics at the leadership level without getting too lost in the details? Do you want to talk to that, Preston, or... I can talk to it too. It's either, either, um, either yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I, I have some some thoughts on it. Um, you know, I think when you talk about you know the details and whatnot, um, I do see people get into. Michelle actually calls it analysis paralysis, where they get completely lost in all of these all of these details. I think if you tie it back to what I've found, the strategy that seems to work the best is if you tie. Uh, the decision you're trying to make to some kind of subject area or process, if you if you can narrow down what it is you're actually trying to decide, what I what I've found is that that actually narrows down the data that is even applicable to the problem. And so, if you combine a very specific subject area where you're trying to make a decision, you, you narrow that down, and then as a business, you uh, you work to align on some very specific. KPIs or key performance indicators that are indicative of that particular subject area, that's where you can kind of narrow down the scope of what you're looking at and really create some consistency and comfort that the leader can then, um, you know, the, the leader can get comfortable with that subject area, those KPIs, and start getting kind of their own inherent understanding of the topic. And I found that like we've done quite a bit of that. We have some very clearly defined KPIs that we use. And, there, and as we get more comfort in those, then we can start going off onto some more detailed things. But I think that that simplifying it down to those key KPIs is what, what makes it really manageable for a leader um, versus you know being kind of all over the place. And, and I, I have to add on that, because I feel like that, that can be a journey for some companies. and. Um, because after a while, you realize as a leader, you're just looking at data, but the data's not telling you anything. Like someone's going to show you a PowerPoint slide, and you're looking at like that doesn't tell me anything. Um, and sometimes um, it's great. And I think Preston started this off where he would have a slide with you know a, a table of data, and on the side of that table would be like 
here's what you should be looking for. Or here's the, here's the interesting. So then the, the, then the leader can have an aha moment or, or actually have a discussion or brainstorm about that issue if it really is an issue that we need to um, dive into or not. So part of it is kind of a journey that you're on. And I would say sometimes I've seen um, leaders look through like a binder of data. And then after a while, that binder gets a lot smaller. So, you know, when you're entering a company for the new, for the first time, or you really start this analytical journey, maybe you start off with a binder's worth of information and then whittle it down to, again, those KPIs that matter to your business. And then you drive those uh, moving forward and, and you deep dive into those ones. Awesome. I think that is an amazing point. I mean, Preston, it makes me wonder like how much of your, the, the framework you just walked through is like informed from your engineering days. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you, yeah, it's not, um, it's definitely from the engineering days. And also a lot of my consulting was in the, like in the business intelligence space, but I really liked what, I really liked what Michelle just said about the binder. Um, I hadn't actually thought of it that way. And I think I'm going to use that one again, if you don't mind, Michelle, but this idea that um, we I think what we would do is we would bring a lot of we would bring a lot of extra insights to every meeting that we were having. So key KPIs at the top and then some additional insights below. And to the idea of that binder, you might come in with you know 30 or 40 slides. And what we would find was that occasionally one of those slides would really have some value and, and pique some interest in, in the leadership team when they were looking at it. And what was interesting, and I don't know if this will be a topic that we'll get to today, but what was really interesting is that it was those slides that started becoming candidates for some of our self-service BI solutions. So maybe it started as a slide in a binder, but ultimately, if there was a lot of uptake on, on a particular slide, that, that actually became a really good candidate for some of our self-service and automation and some of our dashboarding and reporting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that brings us to the, the next question I wanted to ask about is when it comes down to, you know, data analytics, I mean, there are some direct users, then there are some indirect users kind of, have you guys seen like a, a hierarchy of like how those direct and indirect users actually start to interact to make sure, like I said, you don't find yourself in, you know, analysis paralysis. Um, I guess it goes back. It goes back to the binder, where you kind of figure out what are the what are the key pages in the binder that make sense. And those key pages, let's just say there is three or four, that becomes the self serve, where you have these indirect, just kind of know and know one of the pulse of the business, but they don't need to dig down deep. They're like, oh, okay, I, I see that trend line. I'm I'm good to go. Um, that that self service experience is really important for a number of users throughout a company, and that's that's I think that's table stakes so that everyone knows, hey, here's what we're marching towards. We're marching towards this goal line, right? Um, and then you have other stakeholders that actually need a little more hand-holding. They have specific KPIs that they're going after, um, their trend lines that they're trying to push for, and that's when you get a little bit deeper. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question to indirect or direct, but I do feel like there is a need for self-service for the masses. Mm -hmm. And then there is a need for... Um, white glove for our key executives or key people um, doing or in charge of top priorities for the company. No, I think that that definitely answers the question. I mean, because it's one of those things, even for myself, of having, you know, worked for a, a couple of Fortune 500 companies and 
one of the things that we found is like, you know, that in some instances, we felt like we were drowning in data at the time to where it's like, like, you know, no matter what you wanted to look at, there was probably millions of lines. And me being, you know, a finance and accounting background, my preference is download it all to Excel and then let me play with it from there <laughs> to where now, as you start to think about, you know, just kind of how you've seen, you know, different roles within the company, you know, interact with the data, because it's something that I ran into a lot when working in finance, a lot of times people will come to me about analyzing data. It's just like, is there a difference between like someone who's in FPNA or financial planning and analysis and a true data scientist or data analytics? Like, is there a distinction between the two or do the lines just eventually blur together? I think I, I'll try to help answer that, um, at least from, from my perspective. So um, we, do, we do definitely have some different roles within the, within the space. And you know, when we think about the, how we apply analytics, like I think of it as like we're applying analytics to understanding different processes. And so when, um, and that could be your self-service dashboards, that could be having an analyst to just dig in on something. So, you know, an FP&A analyst has some very specific, some very specific processes and planning tasks that they're, that they're looking at. Um, similarly, you know, we would have business analysts that are looking at very specific processes that we're, we're running here at Salesforce. We have um, each of those roles, I think, has a very specific, you know, activity that they're trying to support. And so I kind of lump a lot of those roles together as, as the analysts. But if you go look out on Google, you'll see that there's like, you know, they'll, they'll list out dozens of different roles. And so the way the way that I've kind of like broken it down, I think we've kept it pretty simple um, in our in our team. But um, you know, you, you have the analyst, the business analyst, or the FP&A analyst, whatever you want to call them. They're pretty close to the business process. And then what what we tend to do is we let those analysts actually work with some of the other members of the team to actually like in a, almost like a like a partnership role. And so like we have, we have data engineers that are making sure that we have clean data and that we really understand where it came from and, and structuring that data to make it useful. We have, um, we have like BI engineers who are actually building data visualizations in products like Tableau and our Einstein analytics product. Like, so we have those products, um, you know, we have those engineers working on building those types of tools for us if we need them. And then we also have data scientists. So it's a, you know, a specialized role to, you know, maybe handle some more advanced modeling, statistical modeling, machine learning. But the idea is that that analyst at the front is actually like, they kind of speak the business language, right? But they also speak that technical language and they act like a bridge between the business that's trying to accomplish a business objective and all of that other infrastructure. And it, it actually demystifies it for the business leader because they're just working with, you know, they're just working with the same person all the time. You know, they're just working with Terrell, right? But Terrell is off working and coordinating all these other assets to bring them together in, in, into a, you know, solutions and insights that, that drive their business. I, I love I, that I explanation. I'm like, you know, Preston, why didn't I meet you like five years ago? <laughs> you know what? Hey, I might not have been able to give you that explanation five years ago. I think working, you know, working in this team has helped, helped kind of 
you know, iron some of these ideas out. So I, I want to add on to that, though, that um, it, it just, just doesn't have to be FP&A. I mean, there's, there's going to be jobs um, where you have to really collaborate with those diff with different analysts across the business, especially when you're working on some major initiative where you need everybody all in and collaborating together. Are we looking at the source of truth? Is this the type of information we need to help us make that decision? And sometimes you need different groups within a larger company to come together and validate that. So I think you know the framework that we have um, established also allows us to collaborate faster with others. Um, so that's been a, a, a huge investment that's been well worth it. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And and I know that you both are, are busy, so I want to be respectful of your time. And, and I'll say, you know, because this could be a discussion that we could really go into even further. But what I want to do is um, bring it back around for, you know, one final uh, one final thought that you would share with, you know, let's say, you know, you have a a business or a business business owner or business leader that's trying to figure out, like, how do I get value out of this mountain of data I have access to? Any final thought that you want to share on that? Start small. So let's just say there's one KPI you're really after. Understand the processes that are needed to gather that information. Make sure that the data is correct and pilot a couple of things or a couple of pieces of insights to see if they're spot on and meaningful for the company. Um, and then use that sort of framework to really springboard off other insights that you're looking for. Um, but starting small is, is a good place. I like that a lot. That's a, that, that, that approach really does work. I really like that. Um, I, was gonna, I was gonna bring it back to, to leadership and um, you know, anything you can do to, to educate and get, get your leaders excited about using data to make decisions, have them go watch the movie Moneyball have them uh, have them maybe read a book. We had a book. Uh, Michelle actually helped us get a little book club going uh, for this book called Competing on Analytics. Um, you know, it's one of those things you can get a bunch of people excited about the topic of using data to drive the business and, um, you know, see where it goes from there. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And I will say one more thing before we wrap up. Michelle, you mentioned going to Notre Dame to get your MBA. Love to hear, I mean, being a domer myself, love to hear your experience. Like, you know, what would, how has that kind of played a role from, you know, you going from sales into where you are now? It leapfrogged my career. There's no doubt about it. I had a wonderful experience at Notre Dame. I had incredible professors and my classmates were, are just incredible people that I'm still friends with today. Um, but I will say it, it changed the trajectory of my career. Um, to a point where people were willing to look at me from a different vantage point outside of a, a salesperson. Um, it helped me with my business acumen. It helped me get across um, just certain barriers that I hadn't experienced as you're, as you're going up into um, you know, the ranks. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for the experience. But I think the one thing that tied it, tied it together for me is that I liked Notre Dame for a number of different reasons, um, but it was the cultural aspect of giving back that helped me understand where I wanted to go next and what companies I was willing to um, drive my career with and ones I was not. And so the culture of um, really giving back 
um, I really looked at companies that that offered that, that had this culture of um, leading from within, bringing others up, and then helping the community. And so that really was really important to me and has benefited my career since I left. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, Michelle and Preston, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you as guests on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.